Ace Your Healthcare Journey. This is an exclusive interview with Lydia Molinera on safe medication practices. Join us in this interview with Health Advocate as she unveils the principles of A, Advocate, C, Communicate, and E, Educate to master your healthcare journey. With more deaths in America from medication-related incidents than car accidents, the need for a shift in our approach to medication safety is more urgent than ever. Lydia discusses the dangerous culture of quick fixes with meds and emphasizes the importance of evaluating risks versus benefits. As healthcare systems worldwide recover from the pandemic, her message resonates more profoundly. Drawing from her vast experience, Lydia shares valuable insights on protecting yourself from harm or injury when taking medications or navigating the complex healthcare system. Don't miss this opportunity to learn how to ace your healthcare journey. Welcome to the Wellness Driven Life Show, where you're about to go on a wellness driven ride. the same after we learned our 21-year-old daughter, Kristen, was murdered by her ex-boyfriend. It's a parent's worst nightmare. How much did we really know about domestic violence back then? Clearly not enough. Now we know plenty. We know domestic violence, or DV, can happen to anyone. One in three women suffer physical violence at the hands of intimate partners during their lifetimes. One in three. I'm Bill Mitchell, host of the When Dating Hurts podcast, and my interviews with DV counselors, law enforcement, and especially actual DV survivors give the pandemic of domestic violence the attention it deserves. The When Dating Hurts podcast. It's a series of lives being saved. Let me tell you a little bit more about the guests that we have today. With over 30 years of experience as a clinical pharmacist, Lydia Molinera is a specialty pharmacy owner and a certified patient safety officer. She's also a fellow of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists and a certified geriatric practitioner. A dedicated educator and advocate for patient safety, Molinera aims to empower those reliant on medications with the tools to manage their health safely. Her contributions earned her the National Commitment to Care Award in Health Promotion by Pharmacy Practice. I am so pleased to welcome Miss Lydia to the stage. Hi, Lydia. Thank you. My Hello, pleasure. it's good to be here. I'm really excited to be able to share these tips with your audience. I think it's uh, very invaluable for them to learn some of these things. So I appreciate you having me today. 
My pleasure. And I couldn't agree more, Lydia. I think that this is a hot topic for everybody. And these things are a need to know for sure. I love being able to give people a little more insight and background if they don't already know. So this is going to be a great conversation, Lydia. And can you tell us a little bit more background about yourself? Let's get to know you. Sure. Well, I um, I started in pharmacy a long time ago. I was 17 years old working as an assistant in a drugstore. And I'll never forget my first question was, where's the cough medicine and which one should I take? And I just stood there. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I never even probably had cough medicine that I had purchased before at this time. So it's been a journey. I started when I was 17 in a drugstore. And then when I graduated, I um, began to work in the country in a rural area. Then I started working in the city and I just really went all in to clinical pharmacy, meaning you're not taking a medication just because it's dispensed. You're taking a medication because you actually need it. You're taking a medication because there's a reason for it. So my training taught me that you need to have a reason for this. And so that was my journey. I began to own and operate. And my primary focus was always clinical pharmacy. And like I said, it was one of those things because I think personally I had experienced in my own situation at 21, I had gallstones and nobody diagnosed me. I passed seven stones before I was actually diagnosed. And I was on all kinds of medications trying to deal with this. And every time I went to emerge, they'd give me what was called a pink lady. And it was, you know, xylocaine and Maalox. And to this day, I can't have mint. <laughs> you know, it was just one of those things where it was so terrible. And I think it was through my own journey that I realized, you know, understanding people's journeys and their pains and their issues that they go through and try and advocate for themselves and try and communicate what they're experiencing. And, you know, at that time, there wasn't the internet. So really understanding and educating myself on what are all these stomach things that I could be having? I mean, I was in pharmacy school, so I had access to all kinds of brains to understand this. So it was my own personal experience that really taught me that when I owned and operated, my primary focus was always going to be on why are you taking this medication instead of let's just give you this medication because you, you know, the doctor prescribed it. So I can remember not even six months into graduating, uh, the college called me, the college of pharmacy called me and asked me to sit down because I was being reported by a physician because I was quote unquote prescribing to a client um, telling them that maybe this medication wasn't the best for them. And so I had to, you know, fight through that. And really, my answer to that was, well, I'm a pharmacist, isn't my job doesn't the buck stop on me if I hand out the wrong medication. That's what I'm being told legally is my responsibility. So mm. I'm going to be able to have that advocacy for the client. And if the physician doesn't like that, then maybe we should be reporting the physician. So this is how I started. <laughs> wow. I have loans. I have to not lose my license six months into graduating. So it was one of those experiences that really taught me communication also with healthcare professionals and the importance of making it a multidisciplinary team, really understanding that when you're advocating, you're advocating for your client. You're also trying to understand the perspective of other healthcare professionals and really bridging that gap and making sure that when you are engaging in healthcare, you yourself become a patient advocate 
for yourself, but also become part of the team. Really important. And those are the lessons, you know, sometimes, you know, like we we discuss things happen for a reason. I really believe that's what shifted my entire clinical and practice because I really had that focus at the forefront every time that I was part of the pharmacy. And when I developed programs that were for clinical pharmacists to go around with physicians in long-term care centers and supportive living centers, that was always the focus. Never about which medication do we need to add, but more so which medication do we need and why? And that was really the most important piece. Well, gosh, I got a lot out of that, Lydia. And 100%, you definitely have to advocate for yourself and we, we've had that discussion many, many times on this show, really being you, your own advocate in the healthcare system, because we, we don't always get the right information and we're not always able to get other opinions. And sometimes we can, sometimes we can't, but really listening to your own body and being intuitive. And of course, my brain was going, you know, during, during your conversation in the direction of well, that was very bold and beautiful of you to really talk with the patient and ask them, why are you taking this and really go against the grain and very bold and brave, I would say. And of course, it makes sense that you are contacted saying, hey, what are you doing here? You're going against doctor's orders and yeah, and you yeah. pushing back and saying, look, this is my training. And, and so maybe there should be a little more communication here. And why is it that you're prescribing this? It, it's it's a tough uh, it's a tough one, isn't it? And and you well well know that because it, there there may be more details that that you don't know of why that doctor prescribed that. And right. but and we really just don't know. But it's in asking those questions, and you never know if it's. Uh, if it's a doctor that maybe has some overwhelm and they're seeing, you know, hundreds of patients and they're just going with what they're hearing and not spending as much time and then just prescribing away. And I think that's, that's likely an epidemic here in this country is where we have so much of that, where it's not really well thought through, or they're going through so many different people and and not really explaining their story to one person. I hear that a lot where that's an issue where they are seeing so many different people along the process and have to explain their ailments to so many different people along the way, not really feeling heard and getting tired of having to say the story over and over and over again. So there's a big disconnect here. Yeah, well, the healthcare system, basically, the way that I look at this is, You, I always say to people, um, when I'm in my practice, I always say, you know, your body best. So you do have to advocate for what's happening within your body. Uh, When you're seeing a physician or um, a specialist or any of those healthcare professionals, and including a pharmacist, make sure that your communication is always written down so that you have exactly what it is, what are your signs and symptoms, and it's not good enough to say I have a headache and it's lasted two or three times, I, I, I constantly get a headache, versus if I said to a healthcare professional, or even if I just explained it to you this way, I have a headache sometimes, it comes and goes, yeah, it's being more frequent, versus if I said I've tracked my headache, I have had five headaches that have lasted about three hours or have lasted all night, and And I can tell you that it's happened six times this month and it's Mm -hmm. around, you know, me flying or it's around when I um, smell certain things, you know, that 
is so much clearer and that can be more actionable with a physician, with a pharmacist in helping to treat. So yeah. when I would say, make sure that you're very concise and clear and document the things that are happening to you. And sometimes we don't always put the pictures together. And that's because with a diagnosis, we need to have that whole picture. And if you're not presenting the picture and you're only talking about a headache, but then you don't tell us that you've also had diarrhea or that you've also had, you know, vomiting or that you've had, you know, back pain. There's all these other little things that can go into it. So I can remember in my own personal situation, I went to the emergent, I'd say, well, I have this pain right in my chest. It's like right here and it hurts and it lasts for eight hours. And they would say, okay, well, that's probably just this. But if I would have said, but I vomited green, you know, and it was bile, I vomited green stuff, maybe that would have clued in, but I didn't think that was an important piece, right? Mm -hmm. So I think documenting, making sure, and then the the really culture of communication is so important because, you know, healthcare professionals, there is burnout. There is mm. so many people and not enough of us. There's yeah. this constant, you know, you have to be on, but, you know, it's overwhelming sometimes and you can't help everyone. And even as a family physician, you know, you're seeing things that are outside your expertise and you need to get them referred to a specialist, but the specialist can't see them for six months or a year. So you're trying to cope with things with the client and maybe not really working that well because you can't give that extra support. So there's all of these things that are going on where it becomes so much more important to make sure that you do speak up for yourself when you feel there's something not right, or even just explaining yourself. So I had a client that came in, just a regular routine vaccination. And he said, because it was written on the form, but I was overwhelmed, really busy. You know, it was like every 10 minutes we had to give a vaccine. It was, you know, it's flu season. It was during the COVID. And he said, I just want you to know, I have a latex allergy. So I got to make sure that your gloves and the Band-Aid don't have latex. And it was like, oh, wait a minute. Yes, that's written down, right? So just a simple little thing like that prevents him from having to take another medication because now I put latex and he's going to have an allergic reaction, right? So like when I say advocate, I don't just mean, you know, going in there and saying, well, I have all these symptoms and this is what's happening to me. Just knowing who you are, knowing what you're taking and understanding your own body. It's so important those pieces need to be clearly explained. So if you have an allergy, when you go pick up a medication, when you're at your doctor's office, when you go to emerge, when you're going to see a specialist, you always say, and by the way, I have an allergy to this medication. And it's hard to understand what are all these things that I'm supposed to say. The bottom line is anything that's going to affect your body in a negative way, you should be discussing. That's the bottom line to that. Yeah, absolutely. Lydia, I love that you brought in that you should really be observant and think bigger. Like you, like you talked about really notating what are all of the things that are happening going on in life? How long is this lasting? What else is happening? You, you even talked about like the, the smells or, you know, really going deeper into all of the things in the surrounding and the environment as well as internally. So the internal, external, but really thinking bigger and maybe 
journaling that and writing notes and, you know, keeping a consistent record of my mother always told me to do that. I have never been good at it, unfortunately, but I, it, I get that that is very, very important. So I love that you bring all of that up. Now, this is really leading into acing our, the way that we, you know, navigate our healthcare and our overall health. So this is the A where we're really advocating for ourselves in acing our healthcare. Yeah. And I mean, with advocacy, there's sometimes, you know, there is barriers because it's really learning to remove those barriers so that we know we can speak up. Um, we often feel like, oh, it's a healthcare professional. They've gone to school for 12 years. What do I know compared to them? It's not about mm -hmm. that. It's about nobody knows your body better than you. So discussing what's happening with you, it's don't be afraid to speak up about that because the physician needs to know that information. Specialists need to know it. Pharmacists need to know it. That's how we can help you best. So remove that stigma of I shouldn't say anything because sometimes we also feel like, well, if I challenge or question something, maybe then I won't get the care that I need. If you're not going to get the care that you need for asking a question, then you're not going to get the care period, <laughs> you know, like then you really got to move on because that should never be a situation where you need to be afraid to speak up, to ask questions, to get the care. The other thing is, is sometimes there's language barriers and I'm not just talking about the difference between what the physician is speaking language wise and yourself. There's also health language barriers because it's almost a different language when we speak and sometimes it's lost in translation because we're used to speaking in terms that we understand as healthcare professionals with speaking with other healthcare professionals and sometimes we forget that when we say instill or apply to the affected area or externally, some of these words, you know, they don't apply necessarily to our own language. And what are we trying to say with that? So if you don't understand something that's being said, be honest about it and just say, I don't quite understand how to do that. I don't quite understand what you mean, because it's not just always a language barrier. It can also be a barrier in understanding the terminology. So that's another important piece when we look at advocacy, mm -hmm. you know, speaking up is also about understanding. And if you don't understand, you need to speak up. Okay, so there's a couple of parts to that. Removing the barrier to speak up, having the courage to say something is important, but also understanding that it's okay to say, I don't understand what you're saying. You need to explain it to me in a different way. I'm not comprehending it. And that's yeah. totally okay. Yeah, that communication piece is really key. You have to be able to, you know, communicate and understand what it is that you do want to communicate and understand the information that is coming back to you. So, Lydia, I'm really curious because you've had this extensive career in this field. What has been uh, one or two examples of something that has gone horribly wrong as far as medications? Because you're this this major advocate for you know the well-being and safety in the medication arena. What were some of the points that this this really became a, a prominent thing for you? Well, I had certain experiences being in the front line, of course, being I was behind the counter. And so I interacted with so many people. And then I went into people's homes, being in the long-term care and assisted living sectors. And I was actually rounding with physicians from room to room. So I have seen a huge gamut. There's two situations that have really um, always stayed with me in the sense that, I don't know, they've been etched in my brain. 
So one of the things working in a drugstore and being on the front line is we see many things, but there was one story that definitely stood out to me. We had this one gentleman who was a lovely fellow. He worked out of town. So he would come in and see us when he came into town, would local, would go to the local sort of walk-in clinic because he didn't have a lot of time, went in to see the doctor, would always have a chest infection. So he went in, saw the doctor, complained that his chest was hurting, and he would get an antibiotic. So this happened one month, and then he was off, and he came back, and he said, you know what, antibiotic kind of worked, but not really, still having chest problems, still having trouble breathing, so I'm going to go again to see the doctor and see what I can get. Comes back, another antibiotic. So this went on twice, and then when he came in the third month, I was you know, at the pharmacy working and I saw him and I said, what are you like, what are you getting? And he said, well, I'm getting another antibiotic. And so I said, wow, you know what? I think you need to get a chest x-ray because something just does not steam right. Um, We are giving you high dose antibiotics. Your pneumonia should be cleared. So I said, I think you really need to not go back this time because he was, you know, only in town for two or three days, go get a chest x-ray. And so it did So he did, and he listened to those instructions, fortunately. The doctor gave him a chest x-ray, and then he came back and said that he ended up being diagnosed with stage three lung cancer. Yeah, that's a powerful story. Yeah, and that, I'll never forget that, because when I see medications for chest infections, I will almost always say, and did you have a chest x-ray? So even just understanding that, because... What's really powerful in that message is his life was a little bit busy, right? It was a bit chaotic. He was only in town for two or three days. He had to leave, but he wasn't feeling well in between. And when he went to see the doctor, he would just say, yeah, my chest is hurting like it did last month. You know, it was that kind of a conversation. But in fact, it was something much deeper than that. And if he would have tracked potentially and written down, you know what, or explained, but I'm also having trouble breathing. I can't walk up the stairs like I used to because once all of this came out, he'd say, yeah, you know, I was thinking about all of these things. So that's one example of, you know, really writing down things. The other really well, quick example- Wait a minute, before before you continue on, I just want to, I just want to highlight this too, because what, what does it do to us, Lydia? What is the dangers of having antibiotics continuously? Right. Well, it's called resistance. You know, we hear about this, right? Antibiotic yeah. resistance. And the fact that as soon as an antibiotic is gone through all of its trials and we come up with this new antibiotic to fight a bacteria, by the time it's released, maybe it lasts a year out in the community and it's now resistant to what we were trying to kill, right? So antibiotics, because of their overusage, causes problems with resistance. So with this poor fellow taking an antibiotic and then taking an antibiotic again, we just kept giving him, you know, stronger ones because we were thinking, oh, it's not killing it. We didn't give the strong one. But in fact, that's not what was going on at all. And that's what triggered me. It was now you're coming in with like one of the big guns and you had that last month and it didn't work. So it's beyond, you know, antibiotic resistance. It's beyond something that was going on for him. But when we try and use use antibiotics for minor ailments and we think we need it when we really don't and people get upset, well, the doctor didn't give me an antibiotic because it's viral. You don't need an antibiotic, right? Like every time there's a situation, we don't always need antibiotics. We need to use our antibiotics selectively when there's a diagnosis. You know, a sore throat doesn't need an antibiotic. Strep throat 
causing the sore throat needs an antibiotic. So that's where you also have to be, you know, really aware of our culture of, you know, quick fix, right? I, I want an antibiotic. I'm going to feel better. Not always. You don't always need an antibiotic. And this- Lydia, you may have saved that man's life. By, by telling you know, him that, by saying, hey, I, I recommend you take a deeper look at this. Yeah, it, it that's what I think, you know, I mean, I've had lots of experiences, but this one in particular, because he was such a nice fellow in the sense, he'd come in and say hello to the girls. And, and it was one of those situations where we really felt like there was some, we, we just, we really felt there was something we could do for him and we advocated for him. So... Yeah. I, I explained to him the reason for this and, and why you had to do this. And, and I think as a pharmacist, we see so much on the front line and we're constantly trying to explain where to go for help because of it. You know, yeah. oh, that's an emergency situation that you should maybe do this. So we're in the thick of seeing everything that comes into the community. And pharmacists have that knowledge and that ability and their accessibility. It's just making sure that you're you're speaking and you're on the communication piece that you're telling us everything and you're telling us truthfully, you know, oh, I've been taking this five times a day, but in fact, you only took it, you know, once. And so now it's not working. And now we have to shift to something else. Part of the conversation with him was, well, how are you taking the antibiotic? Just to make sure that in fact, he was actually getting the medication in his body. And when he was explaining that he was ex taking it exactly as directed, then, you know, the triggers kind of went off and said, well, something doesn't make sense because you shouldn't feel this way. Right. Yeah. So I think that there's definitely, uh, excuse me. I, th I think that there's definitely a time when if you're continuously taking antibiotics or continuously putting the bandaid over, you know, more than three times, right? Or, or what have you, it, there's something deeper that needs to be addressed. There's this right. underlining, how do we get to that root cause? And it reminds me of a time when I kept having sinus infections and I did have to go on those antibiotics. And I was like, look, I, I don't want to take antibiotics three times a year, you know, and I had been doing it for the last couple of years. I'm like, something else has to has to give. So we had a deeper look and ended up having sinus and nose surgery. So yes, it's definitely something to look into. And you, you realize that for yourself, that something might not be right here if, if this is something that keeps coming up. Right. I, exactly. So the, the thing with the educate part of all of this journey, when you're looking at acing your healthcare journey, we, we have to advocate we have to have clear communication in our in our communicate piece, but we also have to have the educate part. And that's where this is also tying into this story. Had he looked into more of, you know, chest infection and why am I feeling this and read some of the signs and symptoms of, you know, what happens when you have a chest infection, things wouldn't have aligned for him. Right. Yeah, and so right. that's one of the pieces of the educate is, well, I don't have that. I have this or I have something more. I have more of this. And so the educate piece, even though we all say, well, you know, you know, don't Dr. Google yourself. Well, I kind of disagree. I think what happens is you need to look at good websites, websites that have credibility, 
websites that mm. have transparency, but you need to take that information and go back to your healthcare professional and discuss it because that's when the communication takes a turn. So you're going to be able to ask more questions and find out and try and narrow down, well, what's actually going on with me? So if you're in a diagnosis bubble and it's like, oh no, we're pushing, you know, it's like the pigeonhole diagnosis. We're pushing that you have a chest infection when in fact you have other symptoms. Had he known some of those things, potentially he himself could have said to the doctor, I don't think I have a chest infection. I'm not experiencing those things. And that's when maybe it would have been, okay, well, you really need to get a chest x-ray. We need to start ruling things out. We need to dive deeper into the diagnosis. So Lydia, I love that you bring that up when it comes to Googling something. And I think you're absolutely hundred percent where, I mean, we live in this day and age where we have information, like we never have been able to access it before. Right. And you're right go to the places that have the credibility and, and then, you know, you can take it with a grain of salt, but at least it's giving you some ideas and not to take you into a fear mode, but to really just utilize it as, okay, I have this information. This is a possibility. And then what? Right. And and I think that's the, the part of educate, you know, understand the why. You know, like it's the five W's. Why, why am I experiencing this? Or why should I take this medication? Read about the medication. Think about your own body. What are some things that are will work for it or won't work if you take this medication? You know, those are really important pieces of the puzzle, not just in diagnosing, but in when you're taking the medication. Like we we use billions of drugs every day. You know, 76% of people took at least one prescription drug last year. So mm. that's a lot of people. And we're not even talking about herbs and vitamins and supplements that have medications in them. We're just talking about prescription drugs. So when we go and get a prescription, I'm, I'm saying always it's risk versus benefit. What is the benefit of me taking this medication? How is it going to benefit me? versus my risks in taking it. And that piece of education Mm. sometimes needs to fall on you. And it needs to fall on you in the sense of ask those questions. So what is the benefit of me taking this antibiotic versus the risk? And Mm -hmm. of course, if you're in a situation where you legitimately have a chest infection, well, you know, pneumonia kills people. So we want you to take the antibiotic. But if you're going to take it again, and then again, well, now what are my risks? So every situation is different. And that's why you need to look at it with your own personal history, your own healthcare condition. You know, I'm diabetic. I have these things. So is Ozempic right for me? Or is because I have a very bad stomach and I have had issues or I have had thyroid issues. So now if I'm taking a drug that could potentially cause thyroid cancer, should I be actually using this medication? Every person has their degree and their umbrella of risk versus benefit. And understanding that, diving into that is the educate part of the ACE. So you've got to educate yourself. You've got to ask the questions and you've got to go back to your healthcare professional, be an active participant in your health and bring those questions that you have researched back to the physician so that you can have an answer from them. And if you Lydia, that's an that's an incredible example. 
Yeah, yeah, no, that that example is is really great across the board. I think many, many people could relate with an example like that and to to really have a deeper look and and like you said, educate. My question is now you you've mentioned that as the world continues to heal and and come out of the global pandemic, you say that this information is more prominent than ever. Why do you feel that way? Because everything is strained. <laughs> We are talking about healthcare professionals going through probably one of the worst crises, you know, in mm. the last five years, as as far as what we have all had to go through. Uh, and some people on the front lines were affected worse than others, right? I mean, I don't even know what ICU physicians and their teams and nurses went through. But I can tell you on a small scale, just in the drugstore, having to you know, give out vaccinations, coordinating all of that. It was very stressful. It was a lot of work. And I've owned and operated pharmacies and I've done many, many things. But the emotion that was connected to that, people crying when they got their vaccine, you know, there was so much emotion. I had a story where two young boys were staying in the basement when their mom had breast cancer and they didn't see her for three months because they were waiting to be vaccinated. They couldn't even go to the hospital. So you had these stories and this emotion. And as healthcare professionals, we've lived through that. And different, different people mm -hmm. in the spectrum have gone through that. When we look at that, we look at the strain on a publicly public health system, where now you're talking about millions of dollars were put into the healthcare system, now millions more. We have backlogs of surgery. We have backlogs of conditions that weren't diagnosed. People weren't going mm -hmm. to their physician as much. So now the healthcare system is really expanded. It's a balloon and it is filled with air because it is ready to burst. And in some situations, you know, I was speaking to a emergency doctor. And when I was listening to her, I just felt so compelled to tell her, you know what, we really appreciate what you've done and what you're doing to this day, because she yeah. says she walks out into the waiting room, and she sees babies that are bleeding down their legs. So you know what, it, she can't get to them, you know, and you take that home with you as a healthcare professional. And right now with this, it's so important for you to make sure that you speak up and that you understand what your healthcare journey is going to look like by arming yourself with the information, by communicating properly, having the documentation, and by speaking up and by being an active participant. The World Health Organization is actually you know, looking at the entire global situation and preventable harm is almost always the reason why something happens. And medications is the number one reason that an error or a problem has occurred that has caused irreplaceable, irre I'm sorry, irreversible harm and damage mm -hmm. and even death because it mm -hmm. is so prominent and we are fixing things more than ever with medications because of the lack of time that healthcare professionals and the system is allowing us to get to really understanding everything. I mean, you have to consider wait times sometimes to go get an x-ray or wait times to get, in fact, yeah. to see the specialist. It, it's that extension of time that sometimes presents more problems and we add medications to try and stop yeah. the gap. And that piece also creates problems. So it's really yeah. important to understand that right now in our healthcare system, you need to be your active participant 
person. And if you can't be that, you need to have a caregiver for you to be that because it's really important to be able to, to really have a good journey. You need to have advocacy and you need to put these pieces in place. Lydia, I love that you bring that up, that perspective of what it's really like on the front lines and how they're they're doing the best that they can. And there's just so much overwhelm and like how you described the balloon that's full of air and it's about to pop because you just can't keep up with the amount of information. So that makes perfect sense to me of why it is very, very important for people to really take control of themselves as much as possible. And, and I think that we've all had this very big lesson and the lesson is, is continuing to be really more processed by, by so many more of us, right? That the understanding mm -hmm. that it, how important it is to take control of our own well-being, and, you know, because there is all of these things at play. And so it makes a lot more sense and it helps out in a much greater way to be able to uh, manage ourselves in the best light. So Lydia, it's been awesome to have you on the Wellness Driven Life Show. You have yeah. such extensive knowledge in this. You are absolutely an expertise. I love that. Thank you so much for your wisdom. Is there anything else that you want to share with the audience today? I just think you need to make sure that you're really trying every time you go see a healthcare professional, anytime that you have a problem, that you're really trying to incorporate these principles because they really will allow you to take care with your medications and ace your healthcare journey. That's beautiful. Thank you so much, Lydia. I want to make sure that everybody knows where to find you. They can find out what you're doing in the world. I know that now that you are, are branching out and you're speaking and you're engaging with people to really get the message out there and educate those. And so www.lydiamolinera, and I say that molinera.com. <laughs> and for all of those listening in, is always in the description below. You can access and find out more information about the guests that we have on the Wellness Driven Life Show. So again, thank you so much. It has been an honor and a pleasure. Thank you so much for educating us, enlightening us, and giving us a different perspective on this very important issue. So um, again, thank you so much for the audience that we have here today, because without you, the show wouldn't be possible. So goodbye for now, and we will see you next time. <laughs>